morning, church. It's good to see that everybody made it in safety. It was kind of slick out there. And I have to admit, seeing my name in the bulletin the past couple of, of days, it made me feel like it was a typo. <laughs> but here I am. Can you guys hear me okay? It's okay. I'll try to speak up for you, brother. All right, so... Tonight I get to share with you one of my favorite topics, it's the number one topic, and it's compliment of the military. And I'll try to keep the uh, Air Force jargon down to a uh, a minimum for you, except for the veterans, you won't have any problems. Um, Now, it also happens to be recently we had a change of command at our unit, and uh, so our big boss swapped out, and usually what's typical when we get a change of command change up is they have a leadership philosophy and they give us his uh, commander's intent and those are exactly how they sound Um, his leadership philosophy what what it is to him to be a leader what his intentions are as a commander for the unit right and he also lays out for us his expectations of us what we can expect of him and it's a preview into his leadership style Now, I also brought with me this evening an example of what they print out and they hand out to to everybody in the unit. Inspire and influence people and our team to its full potential. Be 100% mission ready. Be great at the basics. Build advanced skills. Maintain operational relevance. Be an expert in your, I say AFSC, but that's basically your job. And then uh, one more, continue testing yourself. Hold yourself and others accountable. And that's what I wanted to segue into this evening. It's ownership, that's what it is. It's personal accountability. It's taking responsibility for your actions, your words, your thoughts, your feelings, even your attitude. And so, ownership is also a refusal to blame others, make excuses, deflect, or even gaslight. And I'm pretty sure some of us know what gaslighting is. And some of the most common reasons why people practice ownership avoidance, and the top two would be, it's usually because of embarrassment or the consequence. Now, I'd like to add that ownership is meaningless without change. repentance because without those two it's counterintuitive and it's counterproductive it's also void and meaningless without rules regulations morals or ethics for this ownership to be attached to if that makes sense so without repentance it's pointless and the primary objective is to change to mature and to grow so I'd like to turn to a couple of scriptures here the first one is in Proverbs chapter 28, and the second one will be in 2 Timothy. So in Proverbs chapter 28, we have verse 13, and it says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And as you can see, I'm transitioning from using the topic of ownership from an occupational and a work standpoint into a worship and a holiness standpoint as we serve God. And so as we turn to chapter 2 Timothy, 
We're going to be in chapter 3. 2 Timothy 13, uh, chapter 3, starting verse 16. This is where we get to the part where our God's word is our guidance. It is our regulation. Starting in 16, it says, All scripture is given, given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Next, we have 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, we get a really good look into what ownership looks like, and we're just getting started here. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 9, Now I rejoice that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrow in a godly manner. What diligent it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves. What indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you proved yourself to be clear in this manner. And we also know that in Luke chapter 13, verse 3, Jesus says that unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, I wish that I could confidently say that repentance was an easy thing to where you can identify something that I don't want to do this anymore. This needs to stop. Or these are the things that I should start doing more of or be better at. And then you call it a day and then you have that wrapped up. But we all know that it doesn't work that way. I think anybody who's trying to go on a diet understands <laughs> the difficulties in trying to change anything in our life, really, especially for God. So, some thoughts on that. Change takes preparation. It takes caution. Being well-equipped and not insisting on doing it alone. Because sometimes we do need help. But the work is worth it. So, if you don't know already, a lack of ownership carries great impact on ourselves and those around us. I mean, aside from creating hardships in your relationships and difficulties at work, God's Word says that it creates self-deception, it makes God a liar, and the truth is not in us. Also, an immediate sign that ownership is missing is when someone's first response to correction or guidance or help is either you get offended or you get defensive. And as you probably caught on by now, I, I give a few points and then I follow up with a, a list of, of scriptures to support that. And so we're going to get into that again. I have three scriptures for you. We have uh, Galatians, it's going to be first up, followed by 1 John. So in Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, we start at verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in his trespass, you who are spiritual, 
Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Verse 2 also says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So we're in this together. We're supposed to help each other. As I read in the um, intent, hold yourself and others accountable. God expects us to do the same for ourselves and for each other. In 1 John, we're going to read in chapter 1. First John 1, we're going to look at verse 8 to 10. It says, if we, have, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So take a responsibility for yourselves produces good fruit. However, deceiving yourselves and calling God a liar is probably one star do not recommend. <laughs> not a good idea. The next scripture I'd like to turn to is in Proverbs chapter 12. Now when I read this one, I thought about what my, even my kids like to say sometimes when something's really blunt or brutal. They use the word savage. That was savage, so... <laughs> I thought of that when I read this one. Proverbs chapter 12. Verse 1, it says, Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Just says stupid. <laughs> and uh, honestly, I couldn't put it better myself because we all know what it's like when we're trying to help somebody, but they refuse, absolutely refuse to listen. And it's for their betterment. You know, in verse 15, if you want to skip over in the same chapter 12, verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. And just a page over in chapter 10, we see in verse 17, he who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray now real quickly I can tell you a story in Matthew chapter 15 verse 12 we have an account where the disciples came to Jesus and said do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard these things and Jesus brushed it off and said leave them alone if the blind leave the blind they both fall into a ditch so if I was to recap all of this the goal of ownership is, again, repentance, growth. It's for change and maturity. It's for your own betterment. So it's helpful to understand the dynamic between offering guidance and helping and receiving a correction. Because at any time, we both can be on any side of the fence. Now, I'm pretty, like I said before, I'm pretty sure everybody knows what gaslighting is. If not, I'll just give you a real brief description because it's more common than people think, and I think it's, help, it's helpful to understand this. Gaslighting is nothing more than a form of manipulation designed to create self-doubt. You know you're right. you got to, like, get you to question yourself. The questioning of one's own intellect, intuition, and judgment. This also is a one-star. I've given it a one-star. I do not recommend 
So I'll leave that one right there for you to squeeze this in here. Now, this part is story time. We got a few uh, examples that we can turn to. The first one is in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And I'm sure we're all familiar with all these stories. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Now from verses 1 through 26, we're going to read about how King Saul was given instructions to go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. But somewhere along the way, he skipped a few beats. If you want to skip straight to verses 13, let's read uh, 13 to 15. Then Samuel went to Saul. Now this is the prophet Samuel. When Saul came back, this is the conversation. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. So initially, right out the gate, Saul believed that he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He didn't even know he was an error right and then he says the people and then he says they did it for God verse 19 through 21 says why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord why did you swoop down and spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord and Saul said to Samuel but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag king of Amalek I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites but the people took the plunder sheep and oxen the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to God so he went from being oblivious from his error to, to making blame and excuses and then finally when he's just backed into a corner he chooses acceptance second story is in 2 Samuel chapter 11 2 Samuel chapter 11 is another very familiar story. This is about David, Bathsheba, and Uriah. So I will summarize all of chapter 11 really quick by saying that David had four opportunities to analyze himself, to redirect and correct what he had done in error, but all four of them he missed. The first one, when he was informed by Bathsheba that she was pregnant. He could have said, all right, let's fix it. He could have owned it. The second time is when he tried to send Uriah home, but he wasn't having it. That's what I guess that's the problem when you're dealing with an honorable person. Then the third was he could have just not sent him home again, but he chose to try and get him drunk first. That didn't work out for him either. And then the last and the fourth time, he could have stopped and said, you know what? I need to just own this, is when he sent a letter to the front line. It wasn't until Uriah died that God stepped in and said, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it for you. That didn't work out too well for David. So I wanted to read from chapter 12, and it's a familiar story. Also, uh, Prophet Nathan told David the story of a rich man and a poor man. And he said the rich man took the one and only lamb that the poor man had just to serve it to a guest that had came by. And starting in verse, in verse 5, I believe it goes. 
Yep, verse 5, and we'll read 6. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Ironic. Beginning of 7 says, Nathan said to David, You are that man. And the point of this one is, how is it that David had 20-20 vision on someone else in a story? But he completely blind to himself. And I'm sure this is a very familiar scenario. I, I can put myself in that shoes where I was able to see somebody else got blind to myself. Now, I also understand that um, even in the military, we're having these conversations. The topic of ownership is a really difficult one. It's a really big pill to try and swallow. But we do this because we're in service of God. And, and our objective is to glorify and worship Him in spirit and truth. And so that's probably another reason why it's my favorite topic. Genesis chapter 3. Real easy one. Uh, Genesis is in chapter 3. We're going to go right to, to verse 6. And before I read it, I'll just say uh, these few things real quick. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. And blame is a really convenient thing to do, although it's still a waste of time, and we all know that. But we read in verse, in verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. So she looked at it. She wanted it anyway, so that's on her. On Adam, um, maybe it's a typical scenario. Everybody who's married, when your wife hands you something, Nine times out of ten, we don't ask any questions. We're just like, oh, okay. He should ask questions. <laughs> uh, did you just pluck this off of that tree? I'm not eating that. Or if he wasn't around and she walked up to him, she'd be like, where did you get this from? This looks mighty familiar. I'm not eating that. He didn't do that. That's on him also. So there's ownership in play there. And then we've got a couple of more. Uh, Jonah. These are on a positive note. The next three are examples of ownership in action. We're familiar with uh, Jonah and his trip to, to Nineveh. So we'll go to chapter 3 and we're going to go straight to verses uh, 5 through 6. The entire story is, is verses 1 through 10. So in Jonah, Jonah chapter 3, we're going right to 5 and 6. So once Jonah got there, he told them, uh, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Here's the thing. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed and fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat in ashes. No hesitation. Immediately got the news, obeyed God. There was nothing to talk about. That's amazing. I think that's awesome. He even made a proclamation. He made sure everybody knew. 
we're familiar with Acts chapter 2. This is the day of Pentecost and the, the preaching to the crowd. And then we know in verse 36, uh, Peter said, God made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And they asked, what shall we do? So he said, this is your part you're responsible for. And then they immediately asked, what do we do about it? That's pretty powerful, I think, and a good example that we can apply in our lives. And then the last story is in Job. Job chapter 38. And it's uh, even double inspiring for me because we heard uh, some scriptures out here from our brother Tony not too long ago. But in Job chapter 38, we're going to go from 38 to 40 and 42. And we're going to read the really juicy good parts. Right? So Job 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. I don't know about y'all, but that would have terrified me. Absolutely 100% terrified me. Chapter 40. to 8. We're going to read chapter 40, verses 1 to 8. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? He who rebukes God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Would you indeed annul my judgment? Would you condemn me that you may be justified? Again, wow. Amazing. And the part that really gets me on that one is, he says, Would you condemn me that you may be justified? How many times have you experienced somebody trying to condemn somebody else or even God just to justify themselves. Does that sound familiar? That's gaslighting. And if someone has the audacity to do a God, people do it to each other all the time. Chapter 42. 1 through 6. And this is where Job really impresses me once again. 42, 1 through 6. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I do not understand. That sounds familiar. I myself am guilty of uttering things that I don't understand sometimes. It continues, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you will answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I adhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Ownership, true ownership, leads to repentance and change. Now, if I was to summarize these events and these stories into one sentence, I'd like to say this in closure. Hold yourself accountable for what you do, 
You say, you think, or God will do it for you. We know that in Hebrews 10, it's a fearful thing to fall into the living, into the hands of the living God. That's in verse 31. And in Hebrews 12, 6, it says, he disciplines those he loves. So please, for yourself and your well-being, please get to it before God does. <laughs> I know that's a lesson that I've learned the hard way uh, many times. So if you're hearing this this evening, and you have not given yourself to Christ, you have something you want to get off your heart and, and help us carry your burden as a family, we invite you to come up and do so as we stand and sing.